Hello, and thank you for joining us for Calmly Create Wealth Podcast. My name is Marcel Mares, and I'm a portfolio strategist for CI Global Asset Management. Today on the podcast, we have Aubrey Hearn, head of U.S. and small mid-cap equities at CI GAM, and lead portfolio manager for Century U.S. Growth Income Fund, Century U.S. Monthly Income Fund, which, by the way, won its fifth consecutive fund data award for its 2020 performance, and Century Small Mid-Cap Income Fund, to name a few funds. For this podcast, we'll focus on U.S. equities represented by the Century U.S. Growth and Income Fund, which is also the equity component in the Century U.S. Monthly Income Fund, a balanced fund, 70% in equities and 30% in fixed income. Year to date, as of June 4th, the Century U.S. Growth and Income Fund was up 10.5%, outperforming the benchmark S&P 500 by about 300 basis points, which was up 7.7%. The outperformance can be partly attributed to the robust economic expansion and the ongoing rotation from growth to value investment style. During the same period, Russell 1000 value index was up 13%, outperforming the Russell 1000 growth index, which was flat for the year. At the sector level, key contributors to the fund's relative outperformance included communication services with holdings such as Google, Facebook, and Live Nation, which were up 13 to 30%, Healthcare sector, uh, with holdings such as Cigna and LabCorp, which were up between 17 and 24%, and the industrial sector, with names such as UPS and Waste Connections, uh, which were up between 16 to 23%, outperforming the benchmark. Now, moving on to questions for Aubrey. Aubrey, what is your market outlook for next six to 12 months? And what are your views on rising inflation and rates and market multiples at current levels? Sure. Thanks, Marcel, for having me on. Uh, so in terms of the market outlook, first of all, uh, we remain constructive. I, I think in the background, there's a lot of uh, positives going on, particularly in, in the U.S. economy, but really across North America. Uh, the vaccination rates are improving uh, immensely over the last number of months. So that's a, that's a positive and people are, are getting out again. Uh, the consumer savings rate and, and the amount of money that they have uh, is quite high and, and the willingness of consumers to spend is quite high as well. Uh, obviously, they received a lot of stimulus-oriented payments over the last um, year and a half. And of course, there's even more stimulus to come uh, in the form of close to $3 trillion of stimulus um, related to the, to the Biden plan. Um, from an earnings perspective, also, I think things are positive as Q2 earnings are coming in quite strongly and uh, companies are, are beating expectations. And, and I think the outlook for the back half um, is equally as strong as they lack uh, easier comps. So, so quite constructive on on the on the markets uh, as we as we kind of uh, move forward. Now, in terms of inflation, that is a big worry for us and uh, probably our number one worry. And our view remains that we do think that uh, inflation will be transitory. Uh, and the the background there is that clearly, for the time being, there's uh, there's some pretty high inflation prints. Uh, around a low 4.1, 4.2% level. And I think that's associated with um, chip shortages. It's with supply chain shortages related to commodities. Um, And it's starting to flow somewhat into the labor market as well, where many companies are are struggling to to find new employees because they're still able to work at home and collect stimulus payments. Um, But we, we do feel that this will change as the stimulus plans wear off and people will be sort of forced back 
to work, so to speak. And consequently, the labor force uh, will grow. The, the availability of the labor force will grow and uh, there won't be such um, demand um, for wage increases. So that, that's the background. You know, we're, that, that's, we don't have a high degree of confidence um, on you know, inflation either way. And I think with that, with that background, you wanna have names in the portfolio that can pass along inflation. And the way you do that is by buying companies that are in oligopolies that uh, have wide economic moats. And if there is higher inflation, then perhaps we would see or anyone would see uh, because it's a good business, because it operates in a good uh, industry, they're able to pass that along. And then finally, uh, to your question on rates, I think really that's going to follow inflation. I think the Fed uh, has a, a, an understanding that uh, really dating back to to 2008, 2009, coming out of the crisis. Uh, there has been some good data, there's been economic expansion, but there hasn't been inflation commensurate with that. So I think they'll be slow to move rates higher because they wanna see uh, inflation at a higher rate and on a more uh, sustained basis. That's great, Aubrey. So now within this backdrop, how century U.S. equities position in terms of sector and holdings exposure? And do you continue to apply a barbell approach, meaning investing in, in a combination of value and growth? Yeah, so absolutely. So in terms of the positioning, I think given what I said earlier about um, the great data we're seeing in terms of reopening, in terms of vaccination, in terms of credit card data, um, rail volume data, bookings of, of airlines, I think you want to be associated with companies that will uh, continue to see improved results as the economy um, improves. And I think that can come in various formats. So you know, we have companies such as, for example, uh, Facebook and Google, which would be considered growth oriented companies and rightly so. There's some secular tailwinds there. However, you know, they did face some difficult uh, quarters in 2020 because at the end of the day, they're advertising businesses. So I think um, as the economy improves, as people get more comfortable, companies get more comfortable with advertising, they're going to see a, a lift in their business. Um, at the same time, you know, we, we like some of these uh, companies that are associated with experiences, such as a live nation and concerts or a Cedar Fair with amusement parks. And again, we just think that the future, the immediate future is, is much brighter uh, this summer for those types of uh, businesses versus the um, you know, the dire situation that we had uh, last year. So it's still very much a, a barbell approach, as you suggested, where, you know, we're willing to pay up uh, a higher multiple than the market for companies that, that can grow. Uh, for example, Facebook or Google or, or Amazon, uh, you know, but at the same time, we're, we, we do have companies that uh, maybe look a little cheaper, but we think um, with the earnings improvement, with the improving economy, such as the Cedar Fair Live Nation, um, that, that uh, you know, these companies should, should work uh, quite well as well. That's great. Now, drilling down further, can you provide a few examples of companies that you like for the reopening and, and maybe that are well positioned if there is uh, some form of inflation and, and that are able to pass on these costs to consumers? Sure. So let me give you maybe three examples come to mind. Um, so the first one would be McDonald's. And the thought around McDonald's was that is that the QSR. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, 2020 was was very difficult for restaurants in general because, of course, the economy is closed down and you couldn't really even go to restaurants. 
Um, if you look at McDonald's last quarter, depending on the region, um, same source sales is, is low, low double digits, you know, mid teens. And so they're really starting to see an improvement as you would expect as the economy reopens. Um, so I think, so again, thinking about that reopening trade, so to speak, they'll benefit a lot. And I think the other important thing for a company like McDonald's is that, you know, unfortunately for their competitors, there's a lot of small mom and pop uh, businesses. I'm sure you see them in, in your local uh, community, some of these smaller restaurants that really had a difficult time. Uh, they, they don't have the money to spend on, on technology. They don't have the money to spend on a drive through, which, of course, McDonald's has. And so what happens uh, in the past when, when uh, you're coming out of a difficult economic uh, situation, you're going to see bankruptcies of some of these small mom and pop restaurants. And we think that McDonald's is going to pick up a lot of shares. So that, that would be one. And, and we, we also think the valuation is reasonable. Uh, another one would be since Zada. And so what Sensata does, it's a, it's a mid-cap company, and they make sensors for mainly the automotive business. Uh, that's about 50% of their business, but also for industrial businesses such as a deer, such as Caterpillar. Um, you know, you'll, you'll also see sensors in, in washers and dryers and refrigerators. So, so they do, they touch on a lot of um, various markets. But why we like uh, Sensata is for a couple of reasons. Um, the first is that, again, they're going to, uh, see improved results because no one was really buying uh, cars or automobiles last year in a material way. So they got, Sensata got hit pretty bad with that. Um, but now production uh, is, is really starting to improve from a lot of the OEMs. Uh, and, and you see that not only in auto, but durable goods. And so I think Sensata will get a boost for that. But secondly, when we think about investing, uh, we, we think about identifying companies that have secular tailwinds and really that can grow faster than the end markets. And in the case of Sensata, they do grow anywhere between six to 8% faster than the end markets. And the end markets would be, for example, automotive production. And the reason they're able to do that is because there's more and more sensors going in the products that they sell uh, every, every year. So there's more sensors in, uh, in your washer, in your dryer, refrigerator, in your car, in your cat equipment. And it's just, you know, you have uh, autonomous driving. You can only imagine all the sensors that will go into that. So, so we like that one uh, for those two reasons. And then finally, uh, the other one I'd mention is, is a mid-cap name as well. It's called VeriSign. And in terms of modiness, VeriSign is a great business because what they do is they act as the registry for any internet domain name that ends in .com or .net. And of course, you know, there's literally hundreds of millions of these uh, websites and it's a regula regulated industry where there's only one company, i.e. VeriSign, that acts as a register for all of these websites. And um, this is a very powerful business because, again, no one can get into it. No one else can register .com or .net. So that's really interesting. But it's also interesting uh, for a couple other reasons, the first of which is that um, to really get revenue growth for VeriSign, you uh, at least part of it uh, is, is associated with uh, business formation. And of course, last year, given what was going on, there wasn't too many uh, businesses being formed, new businesses that wanted new .com or .net domain, domain names. In fact, it was the opposite. Companies were going bankrupt. Um, They're still able to grow in that environment, but growth slowed. But clearly, uh, given the innovativeness of entrepreneurs, there's more and more uh, website formation happening on a daily basis. And uh, so I think you're going to see more uh, websites registered. And the second piece why we like it is that they uh, have an agreement, as I mentioned, it's regulated by ICANN. 
And they recently signed an agreement uh, about a couple of years ago now that enabled VeriSign to raise prices 7% per year uh, for four out of the next six years. And no matter you know, what's, what's going on, and some of that they have to reinvest to make sure there's security and stuff with their networks. But this is already a very high gross margin, EBITDA margin uh, company, given that it's a monopoly. So when they're increasing that price 7% per year out of four to the next six years, there's going to be a compounding effect of that flowing to the bottom line, not a lot of incremental cost there. And again, that coupled with more volume of uh, potential website due to business formation. So that would be another name that I think that's positioned well for the reopening. That's great, Aubrey. Uh, these are all great examples uh, to share. Aubrey, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your insights on U.S. markets and Century U.S. equities. As Aubrey mentioned, the Century mandates continue to be managed using a barbell approach, focusing on value and growth, but more importantly, focusing on high quality companies with structural tailings that should gain market share throughout a market cycle. For the listeners, if you want to know more about Century U.S. funds, check out CI.com and join us next week for another update on CGAM funds. Thank you and have a great day. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns net of fees and expenses payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.